0: The Trader Cobb Crypto Show, talking business in blockchain.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Trader Cobb Crypto Show. Today's guest I have somebody who's been in security litigation, investing, and in the space of stocks, shares, and all things markets for a very, very long time. He's also the creator and co-founder of Clear and Confident Investing. His name is Jim Brown, and I'm absolutely stoked to have you on the show, mate. Thanks for your time.
0: Glad to be here, Craig.
1: Excellent, Jim. So look, my introduction is pretty average. So mate, uh, first of all, I'll open the floor to you to just let us know a little bit about your past history, where you're up to, and what you've been doing leading up to where you're at now.
0: Sure. So I've been investing in everything from CDs up to derivatives, everything in between stocks, bonds, funds, et cetera, real estate. And professionally, I was an auditor out of school, out of business school, audited companies. And then I transitioned into forensic accounting, specializing in securities litigation. So I worked with law firms and we represented institutional investors that enlarge individual investors, high wealth individual investors that lost money in the financial markets as a result of alleged fraud. And I was sort of a consultant. I was a consultant for the securities firms that represented those clients.
1: Right. And you're not there anymore? You've walked away from the security litigation space?
0: Right. So now what I'm doing is I transitioned into my own business. I'll be launching a course next month, clear and confident investing. And what, what I'm doing is I'm taking the best of the best from my experience as an investor, an auditor, securities litigation consultant, putting that all into the course, the average retail investor, giving them the roadmap that I wish I had 30 years ago. So uh, focus on the good stuff, the high probability stuff, and to be aware of the red flags that you may not otherwise be aware of in the financial markets.
1: Yeah, sure. So let's touch on, I mean, you mentioned uh, putting together the best of the best. So let's touch on some of the things. Obviously, you've made it clear that, look, you've worked with some uh, prominent investors over a long period of time. Not only have you seen the characteristics and the traits that these individuals or teams of people in many cases have, but you've also seen the dark side of that. So you do know both what to look for for a good investment and also the red flags for what to look out for. So you're pretty well positioned in that. Let's touch right now on what are some of the characteristics of a good investor? Because it doesn't matter whether you're investing in real estate, stocks, bonds, commodities, or crypto. I'm suggesting there's probably going to be some characteristics that are carried across most people that are highly successful in the investment space.
0: I agree. And yeah, there's, there's specific skill sets that you need in different markets, but there, I think there are characteristics that carry through. So I use the acronym PACT, P A C T, make a pact with yourself to, mm-hmm. to gain an edge. So P is patience, and that can go across different time periods, right? Whether, whether you're investing as a day trader or a 10 or 20 year horizon and leveraging time, use time to your advantage. A is autonomy. So if you compare yourself to a fund manager, professional investors managing billions of dollars of funds, whether it's um, large cap, micro cap, bonds, whatever, they're limited to those markets, those respective markets. You're not. You Mm -hmm. report to you, or if you have a partner, uh, you and them. And so you have complete flexibility and you can adjust uh, accordingly. Also, you don't have the same reporting periods. You don't have the same reporting requirements. So you have a lot of flexibility. So you could use that to your advantage. Also, common sense. All successful investors that I know exercise common sense. The last one, T, is time. Don't make time work against you. Make it for you. Uh, if you're selling options that you think will expire, selling puts or, or something, and <laughs> make time work for you. And if you're a long-term investor, let the thesis or, or premise of your investment work out over time. You, you don't have to report every quarter or every year like a professional manager does.
1: i got to say that I'm pretty stoked about that because from my point of view, everything I teach, Look, for many of the listeners out there, you guys will know how much I go on about patience, all right? Patience is, it's the number one underlying fact for successful traders. And it also goes across to investors because look, at the end of the day, it's up to us to make our own decisions, which is the autonomy there that you were suggesting. We are, we're the phantom, effectively. We can come and go as we please without anybody really knowing, without anyone having to be reported to. So we have that ability to jump in and around as we wish to and have the flexibility of trading whatever products or investing in, whatever products that we like, Common sense is not as common as we might think. I know it's a, uh, a stable statement that is uh, plastered all across the internet and many books all over the world now, but I, I genuinely believe in that. And that's through the use of checklists that we employ ourselves here. And then time, you know, people tell me all the time, like they said, look, I haven't got time. It's like, yes, you do. You just don't make time. You know, you don't need to be full time in these markets to, to do well. You just need to make sure, when it comes to trading, I call it trading windows. Carve out a window and know what that window of time is. Now, if it's the, if it's one hour a day or if it's three hours on a weekend, whatever that window is, it's a window of time. You need to become a master of utilizing that window that you have so that you come out with the goods each time and consistency each time that window approaches will often lead to consistent returns or at least consistency in your approach means that if you're monitoring your approach, you can also see where you're stuffing it up. So really interesting. I love that packed idea. I really love that acronym.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I'd like to just add one more point to a few of the points you made. Mm. There's a common thread, and if I had to narrow it down to one phrase, it would be becoming intellectually self reliant. Mm. Now, that doesn't mean that you, you only listen to yourself. For example, you have a great <laughs> program, very successful, but to not take advice wholesale, whether you're subscribing to a newsletter or you're learning a strategy or you've hired a financial advisor, absolutely. Listen to to lots of sources, but ultimately make the decision based on your confidence and your understanding.
1: Absolutely. Taking responsibility for your own actions. I mean, in traditional markets or actually in all markets, mate, I mean, you'll hear people that uh, aren't doing well and and I feel for them because they they haven't learned the first lesson in success, which is being responsible. You know, they'll say it's the broker's fault. They're, They're chasing my stops. Well, okay. Are they really or are they not? If they are, change broker, you know, or it's, <laughs> it's, it's the strategy's fault. It probably isn't. It's just that you're not employing a properly. They don't look within. They look outward, constantly blaming others. And I tell you, all the successful people, not just successful traders, but business people and sports people, they take it upon themselves to improve themselves because at the end of the day, our time is our time. And we literally cannot blame anybody else for the choices that we make, taking that responsibility. It's absolutely crucial in anything that you want to be good at in life That goes for investing, that goes for trading, that goes for riding a goddamn bike. It goes across the board. I'm glad that we agree on, on many sectors or many factors of success here so far, Jim. Yeah, let's touch on the, the next side of things, and uh, and that's the red flags because, uh, I mean, we got – this is a crypto show, but, you know, we talk about lots of different things. We, we talk about lots of things in investing. We have real estate. We have people like yourself in stocks and shares. We have fund managers. We have all sorts of different walks of life on this show. Now, I would be doing a disservice to the ears of the wonderful listeners if I didn't ask you for some of the, uh, the things to look out for, red flags, and possibly – any good stories you've got about possibly some big litigations that you were involved in?
0: Sure. Two things, two big picture things with red flags. So, so one is this, and it has to do with the Bernie Madoff litigation. I'm not sure. Ooh, tasty. So, yeah. So Bernie, Bernie Madoff, unfortunately, globally recognized nefarious character in the, in the financial markets. And the lesson is this. His, he had a split strike strategy, and he purported, to generate double digit returns uh, around twelve percent every year, same strategy different markets so that's a huge red flag mm-hmm. you know if, if anyone says this strategy works and it's effective in every market and it, you don't change the strategy and you get the same returns that's a huge red flag yep before you even get into how he covered it up and all that and the affinity fraud that was mm-hmm. how he enticed investors based on relationships he had and things like that. that That's the red flag, huge. The other one with respect to equities, which is where I have most of my experience, stocks, yep. is this. So here, here's one to look at. Revenue fraud, revenue recognition is the most common fraud with respect to financial statement fraud. And what I, what I look for is if I see revenue growth that is divergent from cash flow, operating cash flow growth, that's a red flag because yep. that means they're purporting to sell stuff and they're not getting paid for it, <laughs> So, yeah. especially if it's over a long period of time. So that's sort of a, a very common, but one to look out for.
1: So let's touch on the first part because I, I do have a question. On that. Like, I can tell you now that, you know, when it comes to trading, the strategies that I'm using now in crypto, I've been using in traditional markets for the last 12 years, right? The, the last sort of 15 months have been more or less exclusively in cryptocurrency because that's where the volatility is. Now, I can tell you, like, when I lived in London, I, I spent six years living in trading in London, right? And uh, when I came back to Sydney or came to Sydney, I found that obviously I'm on a totally flipped time frame, literally the opposite time frame, right? Six, to 6 o'clock at night right. or 6 o'clock in the morning sort of thing. I was a bit concerned about, like, okay, I'm going to stick to the same strategies that I've got. What will change? Will anything change? And you know what? Coming back to what you said about same strategy, same market, same returns, I actually found that to be very, very true. But that was trading you know, foreign exchange commodities and some stocks on the London time zone, but taking it and trading those again on the Sydney time zone. Now, I didn't find that to be like i literally my my results just didn't change they continued to be on that same vein of consistency is that because of my approach to the same markets i mean my results have been wildly different in cryptocurrency the same strategies are still being used but the results when this market goes i mean it god damn it it goes like that's why i'm trading it right like how do we differentiate between those same market different time zone but same trading strategies like do you know what I mean? How do we make the differentiation between a mat off and something that I'm doing? What's the difference?
0: Right. So what you're doing is you're, you're trading over a short period of time. Is that correct? Or relatively short period? Of-
1: yeah, kind of. You know, we're looking at um, being in trades for a couple of days up to a couple of months. I mean, look, I'd love to be in one that, that I'll stay in for an entire year. It means it's performing very well, but we're just waiting for that one.
0: <laughs> but you're lo- long or short, right? You're long or short for a period of time. and Correct. And- have, you have stops and you have targets, I guess, or yeah. you're, uh, maybe you have adjusted stops as something's going favorably for yep. you or something like that.
1: You're speaking sense, Jim.
0: All right. So <laughs> great. So <laughs> what's different is, is it, I guess, if an equity market, if you're based in equities and the equities are- Like in
1: a long-only fund.
0: Exactly. If you're in a long-only fund and it's, it's volatile, flat, or down, and you're still generating those returns. It just doesn't make sense. That's the common sense part of the pack to see. It just does not make sense unless there is, is a change in the thesis, you know, of, of the fund manager and that's disclosed publicly and it makes sense in that regard. Fine. But absent an explanation, you know, I call them compelling reasons. You need to have compelling reasons for, for you know, confidence in, in the probability of success. And absent that, you should at least inquire. So I certainly believe you. I'm sure you were successful consistently. I think it's just a little different if you have a long-only fund. Yeah,
1: well, that, that's, that was what I thought might be. I wanted to run, run the question by you to get your point of view before I give you my But in a long-only fund, if the market's down 15% and you're still up 12%, you say were well, last year, it's like, well, what's going on here, buddy? Um, but anyway, that's a different story. We dodged that bullet, ladies and gentlemen. I've made it through. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> um, okay, look, you're in New York, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, okay. So I'm going to make a a wild assumption here to think that with your career and what you've done over a large period of time, you're probably pretty well connected and you probably have some buddies and acquaintances that are still doing their thing within the space of investing. Can we confirm that?
0: Yes, but primarily in law and accounting. So different players in the market, yes, whether they're auditing the financial markets or they're serving as legal counsel in financial markets, yes.
1: Okay, so here's a question for you. Now, I know that you're not a crypto expert and we're not going to go into the detail that we'll, uh, we'll let you off on that one, Jim. Um, but my, my question is, like, you speak with a lot of uh, prominent people, no doubt, throughout New York. And New York and in America, it's quite a bit of volume in the crypto space at the moment. Legislation is a bit meh, but, you but know, actually, I think Trump recently came out and sort of started talking about crypto assets, Bitcoin, something along those lines recently. Not that I, that really means too much when he, when he talks about something that may or may not come about, but it's the first words that have been said about the space. Now, what's the vibe you're getting from, from the people that you're speaking to? Is there much conversation? I'm not just talking about Bitcoin in, you know, by itself. I'm talking about the blockchain space because it is a new investment class. It is an emerging market. And for many that are informed, it's bloody exciting. What are they thinking?
0: And I'm glad you, you, you differentiated between the two. So the opinions on crypto are all over the map. There are people that are managing directors at, at major institutional banks that say, we don't know what to do with it, or I don't think it's going to, going to be ubiquitous, and other people are very bullish on it. So the, the opinions are all over. But with blockchain, almost everyone, it, there's a consensus that, that that will be instituted and, and is here to stay.
1: That's a safe play. I mean, that's the thing that makes sense. It's like, well, what do you think about Bitcoin? Well, that's too dangerous for me to touch right now. Speculatively, maybe we'll create a desk if we're a financial institution and we'll trade it when the volumes increase. Who knows what they're going to do? Maybe we'll take a little punt on it and you know put $10 million into it and see how it goes. Maybe we'll do that because it's a small amount of money. Maybe we'll focus on the underlying technology that is blockchain because the blockchain, it might mean that we can save some money and do business faster. And that's the simple, logical progression of any business. How can we be more efficient and make more money, those are the two key principles for nearly every business, and it's all are designed around the third point, which is management of that risk. And I think the, the blockchain, as you know, I'm not speaking to many people, that when you, when you explain blockchain to them or most of them, I mean, we get it in all the papers that they're talking more about blockchain than Bitcoin, which I think is great. Uh, it's just a matter of investors trying to find those projects that are going to be taken up and, and see how we go to from there. But definitely, we would, so, so your stance is when it comes to blockchain, people are talking about it in a positive light. When it comes to, say, Bitcoin, it's a little bit more all over the shop.
0: Absolutely. That's exactly right. It's really, to some extent, the Wild West with respect to, to Bitcoin. Yeah. And, and one of the things that's interesting, in my opinion, in a negative way, is that New York is the, arguably the financial capital of the world, at least yeah. it was considered. New York, London too, aren't they, really? Yeah, exactly. Not stepping on anyone's toes. But um, there's a point. The point is this. So I'm a New York resident, and this is where the legislation and regulation comes in. There's a company that, that offers Bitcoin IRAs, and I cannot open one because I'm a New York resident. Ah. In other words, you can live in Idaho or Colorado and open it. So w- what's interesting is that you know, the, uh, until everything gets sorted out and blockchain is I'm sorry. Crypto is, is more ubiquitous, whether it's used commercially and or as an investment. For example, if you could use it as easily as a credit card and people are more comfortable as an, with, as an asset class investing with it as an asset class. Institutional investors are investing, uh, creating products with crypto as an asset class. Until then, I think a lot of people are you know, not sure what direction it'll take. And, and I'm sure that's contributing to the volatility.
1: Absolutely. You heard it first. Well, you didn't hear it first. You heard it straight from Jim Brown. This is the exact reason why we love it in this space, mate, because it is so small. I mean, the whole market caps $211 billion, the entire market. So there's so much room for potential growth here. Now, it is a high risk, high reward environment. And as a trader, for me, uh, I do invest in the space, no doubt. I also trade the space and uh, I love the volatility. That is why I'm here. So, Jim, to wrap it up, tell us a little bit about where people can find more information about you and what you're doing.
0: Yeah, that's super. Thanks for asking, Craig. So, my website, Clear and Confident Investing. Uh, if you log on there, you'll you'll get a little bit about what I'm doing now, a little bit about my course. I'll be launching a YouTube channel as well, and basically, I, I want to share my knowledge with the average investor or could be a seasoned investor as well. I wanna try and help level the playing field and help people stack the deck in their favor.
1: I love that. It's exactly what we do here at Trader Cobb. We just focus, focus on the trading side of things. Take your expertise, help other people, and look, build a business around it. Let's be honest, we do this to make money and help people. There's gotta be two sides that I don't hide behind that at all. I love what I do. I do actually spend most of my day doing free content. <laughs> All this sort of stuff. I, I just love having these conversations. I love working with people. I love seeing the people coming back and giving me their stories and how they've improved. Helping them through troubling times as well. It's not all rosy sailing. It's, it's, it's up and down. We have good times. We have bad times. But as long as people have the tools and respect a systematic approach, it gives them a much more powerful position to make their decisions, which at the end of the day, whether you're trading or investing, if you can't be decisive, you ain't playing the game.
0: Yes, sir. I agree.
1: Excellent. Well, Jim Brown, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Very easy talking to you. And thank you so much for everything you've brought. And I wish you all the best in the future.
0: Thanks, Craig. Pleasure is for me as well. All the
1: best. Thank you very much, guys. And have a great day. Bye for now.
0: The Trader Cobb Crypto Podcast is hosted by Craig Cobb. All Trader TraderCobb courses, products and tools can be found at TraderCobb.com because experience matters.